Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Hi, this is Publishing Lane, and I'm Margie Lane Klubine with Write Integrity Press. Now, you know, we've had months and months of shows, and I've not really told you a whole lot about my company, but I do want to share a little bit about it, um, because I'm just so thrilled to be working with so many wonderful, uh, just truly amazing and gifted writers that seriously blow my mind, and telling you... And perfect example is our guest today. Wow, her book that's coming out next week just totally blew my mind. But before I talk about her, because she is amazing, I want to tell you a little about our company. We have um, a fiction a, a fiction imprint, and we have a nonfiction imprint. Our nonfiction imprint is Picks and Pins Publishing, and it specializes, our niche is right there in Christian living and devotionals. Um, we also have, uh, in this particular imprint is also what we use for children's picture books. And our children's picture books also have a niche. Um, they are specific to redemptive books, um, to gospel presentations and redemptive books. We do have a set, a series that's coming out from one of our longtime authors, um, Peggy Cunningham, which is going to talk specifically about different holidays and how the Lord is honored in the different holidays, which is really, really neat. Um, I'm really excited about that because she's just giddy over it. It comes out in January. The very first one comes out in January. So watch for that. And then, like I said, we have a fiction imprint. Um, our fiction imprint is Write Integrity Press. So that is also our parent company. Um, we have a variety of genres with our fiction imprint. We have, oh my gosh, everything from, we even have a middle grade coming out in two, you know, two months in October, we have our very first middle grade coming out by uh, our award-winning author, Cynthia T. Tony. And it is a remarkable story, a historical that is uh, riveting. In fact, adults will like it because I loved it. It was wonderful. Um, we also do young adult. We have the one that we've just recently come out with. Um, our young adult was um, the revisionary, which is getting all kinds of excellent reviews. Um, in fact, one of my daughter's friends finished the revisionary and chewed her out saying, I can't believe this is only the first book. And he, it's a, it's a wonderful series by Kristen Hogriff that you will really enjoy. We also have um, contemporary romance. Lots of our authors do contemporary romance. Marie Wells Cattu, Faye Lamb. Uh, we have some wonderful contemporary romance books. Um, oh, and, and Betty Thomason Owens. Oh, she is wonderful. Her last one was Sutter's Landing. And it's uh, a retelling, part of a retelling of the Book of Ruth. Oh, it is, it is, it is not just riveting; it's poignant. It's really, really good. Um, we also have historicals, and and Sutter's Landing is also historical. Um, 
But I have to tell you, our most popular genre, well, I can't say it's our most popular because it's not our most well-loved, but most of our authors dabble in things that have a little bit of mystery or a little bit of suspense. And some of these books are true focused suspense books. Some of them are cozy mysteries. We have a series coming out in January by Julie Cosgrove um, that is more of the cozy mystery type, crime crime type mysteries. Um, but our most common in this area is romantic suspense. Um, and tonight we're going to talk about that genre and what sets it apart from all the others that are near misses. We'll share some examples of the different genres from our company um, and also from the realm of Christian fiction in general. Well, fiction in general, frankly, because some of the books that we'll be mentioning are just general fiction books that you can compare so that you can go through and compare the different stories yourself and see the differences. Um, if your goal is to create romantic suspense or suspense in general, then you've come to the right place tonight because that that's going to be our total theme for the evening. And I have a special guest that is perfect for this particular topic. Um, I have an award-winning author of romantic suspense. Um, she, our venture and action are just her keys. She is so good with this. Her most recent book, Imperfect Bonds, won the Reader Reader-based Grace Award. Um, and her this one was particularly for action and adventure, which suspense is has to just be full of action and adventure, at least in my opinion. Um, the next book in her series, it's the fourth book of her Imperfect series. It's called Imperfect Lies. And right now, I'm serious, right now, yes, this very minute, what time is it? 7.06. Right now, this book is currently available for a pre-order price. And the pre-order price is at 40% off. You do not want to miss this book. You need to grab it right away. And then when it comes out next Tuesday, it's going to be released in seven days, next Tuesday. And when it comes out, you're the first one that's going to end up getting the ebook when it releases. Um, so the ebook is on the pre-order price. So all of this, this is all by Elizabeth Noahs. And so I want to welcome you. Am I saying your last name right? I, I meant to ask you that beforehand. It's actually noise. Noise. Okay. And it's with a soft S. So noise. I will remember that. See, I was really going to, I was going to ask you that and sound so professional before we did. But now, no, <laughs> I couldn't sound professional. I forgot to ask you. Elizabeth Noyce, please welcome this awesome author. Thank you, Margie. And hello, everyone. And I want to thank Margie especially for inviting me on her show tonight. Well, I'm glad I'm delighted to have you. Um, before we get to the genre itself, though, and I and I, I know her name is Elizabeth and it's on the books, but she's always been Betty to me. So I'm just going to call her Betty and you guys will forgive me for that. Right. So I want to chat to you with you, Betty. Before we get to the genre itself, I want to chat with you about this book. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about Imperfect Lies. All right. Well, uh, first of all, let me say all my friends call me Betty, so I hope all of you will call me Betty. Elizabeth yeah. is just kind of to separate the professional from the personal side. But before we get started about my new book, I'd like to explain a little bit about the Imperfect series. It's a five-book contemporary epic. In other words, it's a saga about a family. 
and it's centered around the family of the Camerons. Each of the books focuses on one of the adult children in this family, and of course, the special people who come in and change their lives. Now, Imperfect Lies is the fourth book in the series, so there's one more to go after this. And this one is about one of the twin sisters, Mallory, Mallory Cameron, and also the sheriff of the small town where they live, James Evers. He's the second primary ca character. He's the love interest. He's the hero and basically the all-around tough guy. Oh, this and book, he is a great hero. He is an amazing hero, Betty. I got to tell you, he is, oh, you could almost, you could almost just feel the sensation from him I, he, he just I had like, so much deep. fun with the, his character it was it just, <laughs> I bet you did I bet you oh, did his, his plight in this book came out of nowhere it was just there's no hint of it coming into this and and it was a well-kept <sighs> secret and it just he kind of wrote it himself so to speak but wow don't you it, love it when characters yeah. do that <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it throws a monkey wrench in all the plans, but it always turns out right. That's the nice part yes. about it. But Imperfect Lies, the fourth book, picks up right after where the last one left off, and it carries a similar th theme through it. So you'll see a lot of the same characters, uh, a lot of the same minor characters from previous books as well. Well, I have to tell you, now, when I was reading Imperfect Lies, uh, now, like I said, I loved, loved your hero. I loved Mallory, too, but I don't know. There's just something about the guy that jumps off the page. But I'll tell you what else jumped off the page. The, I was I was just struck by the detailed descriptions that you put in, particularly, okay, I hope I'm not giving away anything, but particularly about some military scenes you had, I was just like, I was reading it and I'm, and I'm going through it. And I'm reading, I'm like, how does she know all of this? It was, it was so, it, it was so vivid. I, I could swear you were there. Well, um, uh... I almost was there. <laughs> Word <laughs> images are just key to engaging the reader, period. If you can get the reader to see the scene, to feel the scene, to actually become immersed in the scene, you've got your fan. Movies, yeah. everybody knows what movies, the, the old story, the old quarrel about whether the books are better or the movies are better. Books are always better to me. <laughs> Movies show you what they want you to see, but words in a book requires the reader's interaction. It requires oh, them to, to actually connect their reference points and paint their own picture. Authors have to paint just enough to invoke that imagination. In the case of the military scenes, um, I call them military type scenes because these characters are no longer on active duty. They're, they're right. We won't go any further there, but that's uh, right. We're it, not going to, we're not giving these, anything away. We're not giving anything away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have, I am just so fortunate, so blessed. I have my own in-house advisor. My husband, Paul spent 20 plus years in the U S army most of which were out on special operations assignments. 
Wow. So he has he has all the details. He also happens to be an amazing storyteller himself and can really make a scene come alive. He can make me see it. So I can oh, take cool. his descriptions and, and turn them into a page. And he, he also, I have to say this, he has the patience of a saint because <laughs> quite often my vision of what I want to do doesn't match up with his reality. So he's really good oh. about finding a way to make my ideas work through this. Oh. So I can't, I can't give him enough credit for all of this. Well, it sounds like a match made in heaven. I'm telling you, your books sure do work. And and I'll tell you, you know, Imperfect Lies and Imperfect Bonds, on a serious note, both of them have to do with human trafficking. That issue to me is not just a hot topic. Um, in fact, over the past, I guess it was last year, our, our church actually adopted that issue, learning about it. I, I really didn't know much about it. Um, but that that is that's become kind of a hot button with media and all but it's really so much more than that it, it's like a formidable monster that seems to be all over our country stretching tentacles into every area of society how were you inspired to delve into such a topic as that well, I've had the privilege of visiting many countries in my lifetime. My husband and I enjoy traveling immensely. And if I've learned nothing else, it's that our country, America, is extremely blessed. We're a very yeah. privileged country. Mm -hmm. We have extraordinary freedoms that most individuals around the world do not share. We have material riches in abundance, unlike any yeah. other country. But we've also grown very insulated and we more or less choose to not see what's outside the, our little sphere of influence yeah. here. Uh, the atrocities that happen around the world are just news stories to us. And mm. this has to stop. Uh, some while back, I was flipping channels on the television. I ran across a documentary about human trafficking. And one one of the victims they targeted, they highlighted, just really caught my imagination. She really, really sunk her hooks into me. She was a, just a teenage girl, just, just a typical teenage girl out for a night of fun with friends. She could have been my next door neighbor. She could have been the babysitter I used to call on. She's just very normal. There was nothing to draw attention to her that said, pick me, pick me or anything. But the only thing that she did wrong in that whole scenario was she was not aware of her surroundings. She became oh. an easy target, easy pickings. Now I've learned through that program how many of the places that I've been to over the years, I've been a tourist there, ooh and an ah, and all over the, the sites and the wonders and, and just taking pictures and, and encouraging people to go and see these places, that these are actually centers of these, this terrible crime. It's horrifying to think now, as I walk through Rome and Frankfurt and Amsterdam, even San Francisco and Dallas, yeah. I was happily oblivious to the dark underbelly of those cities. If you look, though, if you're aware of what to look for, you'll see those signs. Human trafficking was not 
intentional. That was not an intentional topic for my book. And we alluded to characters taking over earlier. And that's kind of what happened with this book. Uh, as any author will attest, your fictional characters have a way of taking on life. They, <laughs> yes, they even do. hijack your story. And that's kind of <laughs> what happened. The idea struck, it stuck, and actually it turned out to fit my needs very well. That's when I realized that perhaps I had a small but unique way to make a difference by bringing awareness to this growing problem. We need education, awareness, and knowing where to help, find help. Those are the key lines of deterrence to this thing. We can throw money at it all day long, lots of charities out there, but it's, it's the actual action, the seeing, the knowing, the being aware that will help to protect you, protect your children, your loved ones, your friends, just being aware. Wow. No, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And you mentioned Dallas. I, it, that really, of course, that strikes home because I'm from Dallas and never really even looked around to see it. Now, of course, I figured that every city has the prostitutes on the corner. We've had that since I was a little girl, but I've never really thought about the fact that Dallas really is one of those cities. And it is. It is. What have you taken away from your research into this topic? Wow. I, I started looking into it and um, it's, it's overwhelming. Human trafficking in all of its forms around the world is a $150 billion, with a B dollar industry. Oh. That wow. alone should tell us it's not going away anywhere soon, anytime soon. No. I did. I did learn of the Polaris project, which runs a trafficking hotline. It's uh -huh. where people can call in for help or call in to report suspicious activity, and just find counseling, anything you need regarding human trafficking. They can help you. Uh, the Polaris project estimates that there are. Oh, this number is staggering. 20.9, almost 21 million people Ugh. were victims of global trafficking last year. It's believed that 55% of these were women and girls. And this is a terrible statistic. Another 26% were children and babies under the age of 12. Ugh. In the United States alone, the total number of known Catch this, known victims known. trafficked wow. within our borders rose an astounding 35% from 2015 to 2016. Where <sighs> is the outcry? Uh, I don't, that just, that just makes my chest hurt. I mean, that just makes me hurt all over inside. It's a serious topic. I am so glad you put it into your books, into both Imperfect Bonds and Imperfect Lies. And I don't want to make light about it by talking fiction around it. But frankly, those stories can certainly open the eyes to the danger and the presence of it. Like I was saying, you know, I live in Dallas and I live on the north side, but I, I grew up here. I, I I've lived here all of my life. It, well, from the time I was two years old, my mother grew up here. She was born here. My father grew up here. He was born here. And so it's just, 
to me, it's just town. It's just home. And I was floored when I found out that Interstate 20, which is the south side of Dallas, goes right by, in Fort Worth, goes right by the seminary where my daughter attends, is the major east-west thoroughfare for these women and children, carting them between California and the east coast. I, I had no idea. Human trafficking is, it, it takes many forms. Most people think of it as the prostitutes you mentioned on the corners. It is so much bigger than that. It, it, yeah. it does involve prostitution, but it also includes sex slavery and labor, child labor, male labor, adult labor, child adoption, organ donation. I mean, it, it goes on and on. It's scary what you hear about. And the bad part is that it's existed since the beginning of time. Today, though, especially here in our country, it's reaching crisis levels. It's scary. And these, these are abductions that I'm talking about. Children, girls that just disappear one day. You never hear from them again. They occur in every state we have, every day of the year. And it mm. touches every major city in our country and a lot of the small towns. Victims yeah. are not just the indigents or immigrants or runaways. They're college kids that are taken from campuses. They're teens that are kidnapped from shopping malls, snatched from playgrounds and amusement parks. They're partiers in nightclubs. They're travelers on subways and buses. I read recently of a young woman who, was, who had gotten on a bus, a crowded bus, and the man behind her slipped up with a needle and injected her with a drug and she oh basically gosh. just went she collapsed she, fortunately for her there was a witness who saw it look was suspicious and intervened and saved her from who knows what but there are oh so many gosh. things that are happening they come the the victims they're looking for they come in every color they're male and female they're rich, they're middle class, they're poor, they're babies, children, teens, adults. Status does not exempt you from becoming a victim. Wow. And the best defense against becoming a victim is educating yourself, your loved ones, staying aware of your surroundings, the people you're with, what is happening. You see the videos on Facebook all the time about how people can very easily slip a Mickey into a drink when you're not, when you just turn your head, you, you turn your head for 10 seconds and all of a sudden you have a drug in your drink or you've seen the videos where they show how the father at the playground watching his kids is busy texting on his phone. And the next thing he knows his kid is gone. Mm. These are things that we have to be aware and we have to be vigilant and it has to be by everyone to yeah. use a homeland security quote that i like very well and, and it just applies in so many situations if you see something say something oh that's a good quote i like that well and i and i also like that imperfect lies also deals with this situation this book is the one that officially releases on August 8th, next week, exactly one week for to, from today, 
But like I said before, you can order it ahead of time. You can order it through Amazon at a 40% discount, the ebook. And it's definitely worth taking advantage of. Um, after reading Imperfect Lies, I would qualify you as an expert in fashioning suspense. Absolutely. Particularly romantic suspense, but action adventure is just your thing. So I'm going to ask you, and I have my ideas, but I'm going to ask you, what qualifies a novel as romantic suspense? That's a good question. And as far as being an expert, well, I don't know about that, but I'll do my best. <laughs> to me, a romantic suspense provides an equal, an equal and simultaneous how do I say this measure of suspense and a promise of romance, not, not necessarily uh, a fall in love, but, but just a hint, a, a suggestion, a, yeah. a promise of romance. So you've got equal parts of suspense and romance. Oh, and I like that Does you that put in sense? the word simultaneous. Yeah, yeah, I like that you put in the word simultaneous because you're right. It's not romance now and suspense then and then romance some more and then suspense. It, it really is happening all through it. If the suspense isn't happening while the romance is starting to build, then it doesn't work right. And if the romance isn't building while the suspense is building, it's just it's compartmentalized it's it's almost like two different stories so i like the way that you ended up putting the two of those together a, a novel has to be pretty even then in the terms of romance versus suspense now it's easy to see the suspense part of the story because that's kind of the main plot but how do you know when you have enough romance how, how i mean i know i've heard that some authors actually have a formula. I don't personally use that in my stories, and I do write romantic suspense as well, but I, I don't usually actually use a, a format uh, or formula for that. But I mean, do you have like a plan in mind as you're putting it together? I do have a plan in mind. I actually plot it out. The problem is the story never ends up looking like what I plotted. It changes <laughs> constantly. So I'm, I'm not aware that there's a cookie cutter template. If there is, it, it probably wouldn't work for me because my characters yeah. are a little too feisty. But, but for me, the balance of romance, suspense, and really any other elements in a story are crafted by those characters, meaning it's their personality, their lifestyle, their values, morals upbringing, life goals, yeah. and especially yeah. the degree of respect they have for their love interest character. Oh, Let me give you an I haven't example. thought about that. No, I haven't yeah. thought about that before. Yeah. If, if you give, let me give you an example. A woman who has had numerous relationships that just never stick. They're two weeks and six months and a year here, but, but uh -huh. they never stick. And, you know, maybe she's not looking for the one if she's looking for the one then that could conceivably speed the romance journey on its way or or take the example of a man who absolutely refuses to entertain a concept of falling in love not me i'm yeah. not falling for a ball and chain <laughs> yeah. that could dramatically slow the process down 
I see. What it you're has saying. a lot to do with upbringing. I think how how you raise your children to respect others, how how they raise sons to respect women, how they raise daughters to respect men, and what those expectations are for the opposite sex. So you have a, a, a different journey determined by each character, actually. And when you throw two radically different character types into a oh. love drum and spin it uh. around, who knows how long it's going to take. And of course, wow. you always get those monkey wrenches that life sometimes throws in. That that can affect it also. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so taking the romance part out of it, you know, I've always been taught for some time that suspense is its own genre. Um, our our own Dina Netherton has a new book. It came out, let me think, um, April. And it was called Haven's Flight. Her next one is Haven's Hope. It should be coming out early in 2018. And that particular book settled securely into that category. Her story is riveting. riveting. I mean, I use that word a lot. Let me use a different word. Creepy. Her story is downright <laughs> creepy. I, 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 I have to tell you, when I was, uh, when she had proposed it to me, um, early or late last year when I first when I first started working with Right Integrity Press she had she had sent in a proposal for this and I'm reading this story late at night and I'm like oh this is bad but I can't put it down it was so creepy uh, it just kept the hair on the back of my neck stayed up the entire time but it really doesn't have any element of romance so to me, suspense can stand alone, and it does stand alone in most genre listings. Um, if you put in suspense at, in in Amazon, you would, of course, get a whole long listing of things. But you have some other ideas about this. I do. I do. Uh, suspense. Well, Alfred Hitchcock said it best. He says that suspense is the state of waiting for something to happen. Uh -huh. So think about that. There's nothing in there that suggests danger or psychological byplay or thriller aspects or romance or even some paranormal aspects. The definition is just the state of waiting for something to happen. Let me give you another example. Uh, today's definition of suspense as a genre has come to require an element of danger and anxiety. But I see suspense more as a, well, a, a genre adjective for lack of a better term. It's, it's uh -huh. almost an enhancer because I think that suspense is actually the backbone of pretty much every fiction genre out there. Webster's definition, this is a good one. Webster okay, wait, wait, says, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, because okay. what you just said just really rang a bell with me. I'm like, well, yeah, because if you're, if you're not waiting for something, if there isn't a culminating event in the future, then it's really hard to, to have a story. Otherwise, it's just kind of ambling. 
So, so I can see that I, I, you're, you're, you're changing my mind here. I'm serious. You really are. Okay. <laughs> so I had to start, I had to stop you for a second. Cause I just had to chew on that for a minute. Okay. Go ahead with, with what you were saying. What does Webster say about him? Webster gives three definitions for it. He calls it uh -huh. the state of being suspended or being in suspension as he calls it a mental uncertainty, anxiety, or pleasant excitement as to a decision or outcome. And listen to this one, he calls it a novel of suspense. And then the last definition Webster offers is suspense is the state or character of being undecided or doubtful. So my question is, you know, we all know that Alfred Hitchcock is, is the king of suspense. Yes. He's, he's just yes, awesome. he is. But his actually tended to to move more toward the thriller, the psychological, the almost mm -hmm. a horror type aspect uh, elements. Yeah. So uh, when you think about other books that you've read, for example, I'll just talk about Haven's Flight. I've read Haven's Flight. You're right. It is creepy. <laughs> and it's <laughs> it a is. very, very well written book by a very delightful lady. But it offers an undefined menace where Haven, the girl, uses newly acquired survival skills to evade that threat, that unknown, undefined threat. Mm -hmm. That very feeling right there is the waiting, the conflict that leaves both her, Haven, and the reader anxious leaves you fearful, leaves you wondering if the skills will be sufficient to keep her safe. Is there suspense? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But I'm with you on that. There's a huge amount of psychological thriller by play and action going on. So you know, I, I never thought of it. As, I never thought of it as a psychological thriller, but you've got something there. And, and you look at, look at, let me give you some other examples. The Lord of the Rings. I am a huge sci-fi <laughs> fantasy yeah. reader. I love, I love sci-fi and fantasy. Lord of the Rings is one of my all-time favorites. It's, it's uh, my definition, I would call it a fantasy, action, adventure, romance, suspense. The sp suspense being, will they defeat the Dark Lord? Uh -huh. Now let's look at another one. Uh, let's look at. The Name of the Rose, that's a historical murder mystery with suspense. That's the whodunit. And look at one of, one of the movies that just came out recently, The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, uh -huh. There is no way you could call that a romantic suspense. It's a tragedy. It's a romance. But the suspense is, will she love will she, or will she die? You know, there's suspense there. You don't know until the very end. Uh, science fiction, Ender's Game. That's one of my all-time favorites, too. It's a science fiction military epic suspense. Will he win the battle for Earth? Lots of danger going on. And this is my favorite. I have to give you this one. Six Dates to Disaster by our own oh, Cynthia Tony you mentioned earlier. I love that book. I love that yeah. book. A young adult romance. But what is the disaster? What is she falling into? What's going to happen? That's that's it has suspense. I could go mm -hmm. on and on making cases 
for suspense in every book. It's that waiting with heightened awareness for an unknown outcome. But it's those other elements that make the story. The suspense is the backbone of the story. It provides that conflict. At the end of the day, we're actually talking about the quantitative measure of what elements comprise a story versus the blend of those elements. So back uh -huh. to your example of Haven's Flight, suspense definitely far outweighs all of the other elements. So I'll give you that as a suspense. Oh, drama. okay. <laughs> That's, but I'd still label it as a suspense thriller. Smiling here. <laughs> Well, I think the definition works. I really do. I mean, you, you, you actually, you, I, in, in thinking about this earlier, I, I just kind of floated over it. But as we're chatting about it, it I, it's connecting with me, and I'm seeing that that waiting for something happen to happen. But I'll tell you, when I think of a suspenseful book, if a book is labeled with suspense, I always think of danger. I always think of the implications of danger, um, but, I, I, you know, whether or not it has danger or not, I think a suspense has to have a mystery. It has to have something in it. Um, it otherwise, if it doesn't have a mystery, and like you said, you've, you think that su suspense is the backbone of every good fiction, I'm thinking specific to genre here. I think if a suspense doesn't have a mystery, then it's more of an action adventure than it is a suspense because that that twist, that unexpected to me, the the going back to Haven's Flight, there's something there and you don't know what it is. That to me is just the the connection that makes it suspense to me. But either way, I love mystery. I, I do love mystery. I grew up with Perry Mason. I grew up with Ellery Queen and Jessica Fletcher. Oh, we still watch Jessica Fletcher and Remington Steele reruns constantly um, here in my house. In fact, my girls have ha loved the murder she wrote and Remington Steele. Oh, and, and Diagnosis Murder. They, she, they love all three of those. I feasted on books by Phyllis A. Whitney and Mignon Eberhardt and Agatha Christie. And many of those books had an element of danger and tension, but I wouldn't really consider any of them um, Phyllis A. Whitney, Mignon Eberhardt, maybe Phyllis A. Whitney, maybe Mignon Eberhardt, but not Dagatha Christie because hers were more of a uh, soft, cozy type mystery. They, they had elements of danger and tension and even suspense, but I wouldn't consider any of them within the realm of today's genre of suspense. What do you think, Betty? Would you add any to these? Well, I going back to my earlier definition of waiting for something to happen. When you yeah. factor that, it's it's a very uh, it's a very bland definition that excludes yeah. danger or any other elements. But if you take that bland definition, it applies to the mysteries because all uh -huh. through it, you're waiting to find out who done it. Or why did they do it? A uh -huh. mystery to me uh, offers, mm, let's call it an inciting event. Something that it starts off with with an event up front, a robbery, an assault, a murder, maybe a, a theft. Yeah, it's something. 
but it also includes an unknown element. Who did it? Why did they do it? What's going to happen now? But then it proceeds to lead the main character on a twisty path. So they try to figure out all of these, the answers to all of these questions. But again, there's that innate degree of suspense involved because that's part of the waiting game. You're waiting to find out what happens. You're learning little bits and pieces as they come, as they are revealed. It's balance of elements that comes into play again. Now, I fell in love when I was a child. I started reading when I was three years old, or in third grade, not three years old. When third grade, <laughs> I, 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 I just say, fell in whoa, love. You were, you were a special I, kid. I was a child prodigy. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> I discovered my first love. I discovered the Nancy Drew mysteries. Uh-huh. And you think about it. There was something. There was that inciting event that started her curiosity provoked her curiosity, but there was that waiting to find out, man, I couldn't turn the pages fast enough to find out what she was doing, what she was going to find. But I also, about that same time, discovered the Black Stallion stories. Oh, yes. I've never been on a horse in my life, but I dearly love horses after those books. They're just chock full of action and suspense so it's a, it's a whole different attitude there. And when you're talking about mystery writers, you definitely have to give Agatha Christie the, the queen of the mysteries. But you've oh, got yeah. to consider Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, oh, Sherlock yes. Holmes rules. He has to be right at the top. And also, don't forget about Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah. Talk about yeah, yeah. I creepy. Yeah. Talk about creepy. Yes, yes. I, I will get, I will give you those. You know, we travel in the same circles. I have to tell you, um, Nancy Drew was kind of my second choice. I grew up with Trixie Belden books. Um, and I'm delighted that too. they're, yes, they're actually coming back. The, the first 16 anyway are actually coming back and you can actually get those again. But then I also fell in love, speaking of horses, you know, your mysteries and horses. There's a, a set of um, a five book set of horse stories by Barbara Van Toole and Pat Johnson. And it was called the Bonnie series. It started with a book called Sweet Running Philly. I think I must have read all five of those books at least three times each. Um, in fact, the front cover, the front cover of my very first book was ripped off by my dog. I, I still have them. I do. I still have them, the original covers. And I got on Amazon um, as I was thinking through this, and I found out that they're coming back with those too. I'm so excited. They have the first two that have been uh, re-released, and I'm just delighted. They've even written a sixth one, someone. I don't think it was uh, Barbara Van Tool and Pat Johnson, but someone under their names have has rewritten um uh, has, or has written up a sixth book um but i'm just so excited i can't i'm gonna have to read all five of them again and read that sixth one too but anyway all of the books that we've mentioned all of the shows that we've mentioned they all have these unexpected twists and juicy mysteries so getting back to genre itself the mystery is the primary focus so those of you that are writing this is for you to, to know what do I call my book? Okay, here's the deal. 
even though suspense and what Betty was saying, and boy, I'm buying into it more and more, is that suspense is the backbone of a story. Typically, if you're going to assign the genre of suspense to your book, it needs to have a strong element of danger. It needs to have, and we'll talk a little bit more about one other thing because there's it, it, just in just a second, but it needs to have that strong element, element of danger. But on the other side, if you're looking at writing um, mysteries, if you're if your story doesn't really have a strong element of danger, maybe it is along the lines of an Agatha Christie who is indeed the queen of mystery. If it is along the lines of an Agatha Christie, it's called a cozy mystery. And that's the genre nowadays. And the reason I say this is because when I first started writing, I was completely confused about this. So this was many, many years ago. I took my story, my very first story that I was going to impress the tar out of my critique group, took it to the critique group. I knew none of them, but boy, I knew what I was doing. Uh-huh. No, I did not. I didn't know what I was doing. I, did, I couldn't have found myself out of a paper sack. It was so scary. But these wonderful, wonderful people were so gentle with me. And the first thing that one of the ladies, the lady, it was at her house and she was the one that was kind of in charge of it. And her name was Jan. Her name is Janice. Janice Olson. She writes romantic suspense. She's extremely good. Um, and she, she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, sweetheart, I don't think this is a mystery because I was sure it was a mystery. I mean, I was because that's what I read. I read mysteries. So I had to write mysteries, right? No. She said, I don't think this is a mystery. I think this is a romantic suspense. And I'm like, well, how can you tell? And she explained it to me. And that's why I'm suggesting this to you guys that are listening. If you want to differentiate between your genres, a cozy mystery is going to focus on that mystery. And a romantic suspense will have an element of a ticking clock. Now, I'm talking about today's writing and what their genres really are. They're going to have, um, how do I describe it? Um, it's like a bomb is set and there's a deadline. Um, that that the the clock is ticking down and you know it well it's like it's like Betty said you're waiting for something the clock is ticking down and you know that something's going to happen the only difference in what Betty said and what I'm saying is just is more semantics Betty's talking about suspense in general and I'm talking about specifically if you're trying to identify the genre of your story and if your story has that element of a ticking clock that something bad is going to happen, not just that something's going to happen, but that something bad's going to happen, there is a danger, there is a risk, then that's where it comes into the realm of suspense. Um, and it, it, it should have mystery. If a suspense doesn't have mystery, then it's more of an action and adventure, but it should, so it should have some mystery. And here's this, um, I Betty mentioned a psychological thriller, which I never even thought of, but a thriller is more genre depending on, and a psychological thriller aside, because that definitely is a good genre, but you would call your story a thriller if there's a large part of a population that is at risk. Um, that because that applies to a bigger group, a, a political thriller would be 
a, a, a setting of politics, but a large part of the population is going to be affected by something bad that's going to happen. And so that would be the defining point between thriller and suspense would be how many are at risk. At least that's the way it was explained to me by a number of different people, because I wondered if I was writing a thriller in a very small town with one murderer and they're like, uh, no, that <laughs> they, they, they set me straight. Um, so anyway, I think the element of impending doom or danger, that's my opinion. That's my opinion of the most important thing in a suspense. So Betty, what would you consider the most important element of a good suspense? Uh, the most important element of a good suspense, well, first of all, balance, of course, uh, because there are yeah. going to be other elements involved. There, There is no... <laughs> I go back to this and again we are yeah. talking semantics but right. there is no standalone suspense the the book there is no story about just waiting it's the conflict every every uh -huh. author knows you've got to have that essential element of conflict and that's the suspense to me it's mm -hmm. the complex plots the twists the turns like a sherlock holmes mystery appeals to a reader with an intense focus but another fan might prefer a more visceral reaction provided by lots of intense action. We can compare uh, a Sherlock Holmes mystery with a Jason Bourne mystery, uh, especially the movies. But let's compare those. Both of those books offer amazing, complicated, devious, intricate, convoluted, problematic plot lines. But those plot lines are so complex, they require intense focus to get it, to just plain get it. You have uh -huh. to pay attention to those. They both have action and adventure, and suspense is a given. But where the balance for the Sherlock Holmes books and movies leans more toward the cerebral, the Jason Bourne movies and books appeals more from the wow factor actually it's edgy yeah it's heroic it's seemingly superhuman the exploits he does so after you read them both let's let's take for example the sherlock holmes a game of shadows that came out in 2000 and level uh 2011 and the jason born the born ultimatum which was in yeah. 2007 both have that mystery element but they're both both of these movies we're talking about now they amped up the wow factor incredibly i yeah. almost didn't recognize the sherlock holmes movie for a sherlock holmes <laughs> story it, it was just wow impossible exploits but what was the result you have to look at the result the result was the movies appeal to a wider audience it appealed to those who liked the complex plot twist as well as those who wanted the edgy action i think that's why you see so many blended genres today that's why they've become uh -huh. so popular you've got the suspense thriller the romantic suspense the action suspense the action adventure suspense but they, they all seem to have a historical suspense even oh yeah but there, yeah. there only seems to 
be an element of suspense, but it goes back to what I said about that measure. How much of what element is most seen within that book, in that story, that I think gives it the designation. And the designations, honestly, are for for the people who sell books, really. Yeah, they really are. But at the same time, you know, the authors, y'all are going to have to designate it. You're going to have to place it within a genre when you're ready to send it to an agent, when you're ready to send it to a publisher. It needs to be placed in a genre so they can get a feel, you know, of what to expect. And so you need to be very careful about the genre that you pick and make sure that the genre is going to match with the agent's idea for that genre, the, the editor's idea for that genre. And Basically, you're going to base that on what is coming out uh, now, what what is considered a historical romance, what is considered a contemporary. Did you know, for instance, Betty, did you know that a contemporary is anything, I want to say anything from the 1960s and forward to today, those are not considered historical. And I guess I'm thankful for that since I was living in that period that would be kind of embarrassing to find out that was historical <laughs> but at the same time I, I don't really consider it contemporary and yet it, according to the styles today it is considered contemporary so it's important for authors to make sure that they place you guys that are listening you got to place your story in the correct genre, the one that's going to give the agent, give the publisher, the editor, the best idea of where your story fits in today's book selling situation. And, and I'm looking at the clock. And, oh my gosh, Betty, it is 7.53. <laughs> we have just... We have just sped through this. It's it's not even funny. And and you know what? That happens so often. We chew through our time because we get so we have so much fun with it. Um, for those of y'all that are listening, you need to know that Betty and I actually we've kind of a pseudo script, and of course we're flying off of it and rabbit trailing like crazy. But we kind of stay stick to it, so we kind of know what each other is going to say just a little bit um, to be able to anticipate a little bit. Well. Pfft, I think we got through four of our nine pages. It's, so we've got a whole nother show to share with y'all sometime coming soon. So you need to get ready when Betty comes back. We'll share the rest of this show with you because we actually had several other things to talk about, not just suspense, but just just good fiction in general and what it needs in general. But okay, going back to suspense, um, in a nutshell, coming from what you said, Betty, um, balance you're saying that a balance of the different elements is highly important and i would think elements such as um the character development the other element whatever it is if it's romance or if it's psychological thriller if it's political it, all of that needs to balance with the suspense um within the suspense genre am i catching that right uh yes that's, okay that's good. I was my opinion anyway Okay, and then for my opinion, I feel like a good suspense needs to have that ticking clock. It needs to have that element of danger, not just waiting. And uh, far be it for me to tell, uh, to, to say that um, our master of suspense was wrong because there's, 
he's the master of suspense. I mean, I've forgotten his name. I can't believe I can't remember his name. I'm going back over the pages trying to try and find his name. Tell me his name. Alfred. Alfred Hitchcock. Thank you. I'm like the master <laughs> of suspense. He's a master of suspense. I'm so ashamed. The master of suspense. I would never say that he was wrong at all. But to me, the genre of suspense would need to have an element of um, danger in addition to that balance. I really like that idea of balance. I've never really thought about it before in that in that way. Um, the danger, but the fear, the foreboding, it all needs to escalate as the story progresses. Um, and let's see. We have... Um, Oh, 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 I meant to tell you this, Betty, and I'm going to tell you this. We have we have a number of ladies that do our final proofreading. Um, this is, Write Integrity is not a one-man show. Not only do we have amazing authors, but we have a whole slate of editors that come alongside us. And two of these ladies are our absolute final read. When everything is perfectly ready, we send it to these ladies and they read through it with reader's eyes to make sure that there aren't any ob obvious mistakes. And also just to give general impressions. Sometimes they write reviews. It's They're just so much, so much fun. And one of these ladies called me the other day, Betty, and she, she said, oh, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, Margie, I found a new favorite. I'm just going to have to go to write, write Amazon right now and buy the rest of her books. And she was talking about your book because she was reading um, Imperfect Lies. And so no lie, she actually, she, she actually said this. So her name is Kathy and you have your newest fan, Betty. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Kathy, I love you if you're listening. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Margie. I have to tell you, I think I think I can speak for most authors, every author, when I say that getting a fan's gen, genuine compliment is the truest form of validation for an author. These yeah. types of comments are what make our dreams reality. Thank you so much uh for sharing that. Uh, I can so agree agree with you on that. And I am so delighted that you joined us tonight. It was so much fun just chatting with you. I had a blast. I, I was second-guessing myself about doing this because I tend to be one of those extroverted introverts, <laughs> heavy on the <laughs> yeah, introvert side. And yeah. this, this was not a comfort zone for me, but I have absolutely had a blast. This, this was very stimulating conversation. Oh, good, good, good. Well, you'll have to come back because, hey, we have five more pages we have to share another time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're absolutely yeah. right. Thank yeah. you so well, much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. We'll get you back again. So, okay, I I so appreciate all of you, those of you that are listening, for joining us on Publishing Lane tonight. Um, those of you that are going to be listening later in the week after we've got this thing published um, and put up and posted on blog blog talk radio i appreciate you for pulling it up and listening we talk anything and everything publishing on the first tuesday of every month at seven right here on along comes a radio writer network um along wait a minute along comes a let me say that right along comes a writer network that's that's our network here on blog talk radio it's our own personal spot next week and next month we're going to be welcoming Faye lamb and we're going to be talking about tips and tricks of editing your own manuscript and Faye is a master at that she is an editor for a publishing company she 
I can't wait to hear all of her ideas in this area. And I can't wait to share about her upcoming book either. She has a book coming out next month, another romantic suspense. Yes, that we've been talking about the whole time. And so you will need to come back the 1st of September. It's I think it's September 5th. I'm not sure, but it's that first Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. Come back and chat with me and Faye Lamb, and you will be so glad that you did. But for tonight, I think we're done, and I hope you enjoyed um, our time here, and I hope that you'll come back again. This has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y dot com.